the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 260 for May 22nd, 2011. Verizon creating family shared data plans, the iPhone on Sprint, and Slacker launches premium radio. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week with the help of listeners like you, subscribers to The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. More information at thecellphonejunkie.com. The show is also supported by The Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and the iOS for $1.99. Well, before we get into the news, I want to have a brief conversation about my experience with the Nexus S. So Joey had the Nexus last week from Sprint and, and did a full review on it. And if you haven't checked that out, make sure you head over to the site and read it. And so he ended up sending it back over to me so that I could take a look at this. And I've, I've looked at a number of Android devices, and this is one that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And I've been um, looking forward to getting it as a test device and, and spent uh, the last five days with it. And this is one of the first Android devices, and I don't know if it's gingerbread or if it's the hardware or what it is, that um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with just out of the box. And maybe, too, it could just be my experience with it so far. But um, I don't want to say this could replace my iPhone, but I could easily see myself if for something were to happen with the iPhone. I could just take this one, pick it up, and, and move on and, and be okay with, with the experience that I have using it. Well, and that's interesting you say that with the iPhone, because I know you're very attached to the iPhone and have been using it for a number of years, and you've got you know, you're just really dedicated to that ecosystem. But uh, my experience was the same. I picked that thing up within minutes. I'm like, I know I could use this device and that this could replace my BlackBerry and I'd be just fine with it. And that's, uh, I mean, that actually is a, uh, for me, that's a very, uh, you know, telling statement. And I look at this phone as, you know, something that, is not really brand new hardware. I mean, when you look at the the specs on it, it, it doesn't have dual core. It doesn't have well, it has four G, but it has Sprint's WiMAX four G. But it doesn't it, it doesn't find itself in you know the top echelon of devices that are out there for hardware specifications. Yet it doesn't really seem to matter. No, not not entirely. For me, I thought it was very lag free. Um, it, it, I, I know you said the browser is a little bit slow compared to your iPhone. Okay. I guess I, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, if you had a dual core or a 1.2 in there, as opposed to the one, you'd probably be a little bit better. Um, it, it's not lagging, but it's not the absolute cutting edge. And I don't, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see lag a lot on it in the browser, but I did find that sites that uh, were very smooth on the iOS were definitely not as smooth, uh, on here. That said, they do seem to load faster, and I think that's more of an Android thing um, than than iOS um, or than the specific device. But yeah, the, the the websites did load pretty quickly. Just a couple of things though that I want to comment on it. Google Reader on this one is something that I spend a lot of my time in, and uh, I, I love the application. The, the new functionality where it allows you to to use the side buttons to scroll up and down through your feeds is is huge. I mean, it really just makes the workflow that much easier uh, to the point where I thought, boy. I need to get something, uh, some sort of Android device now, just for the simple fact that I would love to just use it just for the feeds. I mean, that's how how great it was. I mean, you know, and I read hundreds and hundreds of, of news items every single day through it, and so uh, it, it makes a big difference. Uh, the one thing I do think uh, needs a little bit of work is in Gmail. If you've got multiple accounts, uh, there's no unified inbox, and so you have to click back and forth on the different accounts. How did you feel about that, Joey? You know, Mickey, I didn't end up using the uh, unified uh, mailbox. I just had my one Gmail account and then my Exchange server side. That's actually kind of in a separate email list. So uh, I like to keep them separated, you know, like the BlackBerry. Um, I keep them totally separate in there. I don't use the unified inbox at all because I find it kind of confusing and um, slightly irritating because it, it just 
I, I like to keep things separate. So I, I should note, of course, what I'm talking specifically about. There are multiple Google accounts, multiple Gmail accounts for the Google apps, uh, for the website, and then, of course, my personal Gmail. And so those, you know, you click on Gmail and you get to choose between the two accounts and you go from there. But that's one thing I wish were a little bit more integrated. And, you know, I, I don't know why this is, but maybe it's just a, a limitation of, uh, you know, how it's, how it's put together. But in Google Voice for text messages, um, I get them on the iOS immediately. I get a push notification, I mean, seconds after. I can go back and forth almost as quickly as an instant messaging conversation on iOS. And it, it, there's a little bit of a lag when sending messages um, or receiving messages in Google Voice. So I did find that a little bit annoying. And in fact, um, as nice as it is to have all my text messages in the Google Voice, I was using my, my iPhone when I'm texting back and forth with people because I get the messages quicker. Otherwise, I have to sit there and hit refresh in, uh, in the Google Voice application, which I found a little annoying. But I don't know if you saw that at all or, or if you even you know, text that much. I did. I, I, I did use it, but I didn't see the lag because it probably wasn't uh, rapid firing as quick. It's probably my guess. Uh, so I, I didn't really have an issue with that. Hmm. Okay. Well, a lot of these are, of course, to just Android specific things that I'm, you know, coming up with, and they're not specific to this hardware. Um, the, the, the comfort level of holding this phone, I mean, this is one of the more comfortable phones that I've had in a while. It's a four inch screen, so it's a little bit bigger um, than the iPhone, but the overall footprint is nearly identical. Um, I'm going to take some pictures of it here later this week and, and put those up. But again, of course, if you want to read Joey's full review on it, make sure you head over to thecellphonejunkie.com and click on reviews, and it'll be the top one over there, and you'll get to uh, hear what he had to say about it because it was a very different and unique review of how he felt about this phone. So very, very neat. Let's jump into the news, shall we? First off, Sprint and Verizon this week were recognized as the top carriers for customer service satisfaction by the American Customer Satisfaction Index. The survey has both carriers scoring 72 out of a possible 100 points. T-Mobile ranked third at 70 points and AT&T fourth at 66. The survey was originally developed by the University of Michigan, but is now run by the private company, the ACSI. So I found this interesting uh, just to, to kind of talk about customer service. And, and how things have changed. We, we talked negatively you know, over the past couple of years about Sprint and, and the lack of customer service, or at least the, the lack of, of, of you know, customer-facing customer service that they've, we found. And, and now after uh, you know, a couple of years, they feel like they're, they're kind of turning themselves around. And so it's, it's good news there, though. Uh, not good for AT&T customers. I mean, we're seeing customer service still at the very bottom. Yeah, that is a, kind of amazing. I've had better luck with Sprint customer service lately. It still hasn't been perfect. Uh, but it has been better than it was before. Which I guess is all we can ask for. It uh, it certainly is, is good to see and, and good that they're recognized for this. Um, and, uh, you know, again, this is one institution's, you know, results. So this is certainly not, you know, everybody's experience. But uh, good to hear that Sprint is, is making that turn. And at least in the you know perception of customers' eyes, is a little bit better. European cellular carrier Deutsche Telekom, France Telecom, and Telia Sonera announced this week at the LTE World Summit an initiative to push LTE device manufacturing for the 1800 megahertz band. The initiative was designed to put pressure on the development of LTE support in that band, which is one of three that will be used in Europe alongside the 800 megahertz and the 2.6 gigahertz bands. According to a report from Mobile Europe, Refarming the 1800 megahertz spectrum would be more attractive than waiting around for auctions in the 2.6 and 800 megahertz bands. VP of System Development for Telia Sonera explained a three-band model for LTE in Europe, explaining this multi-layered approach to the rollout. 
the natural backbone or national backbone network would be provided by the 900 megahertz GSM network and then also uh, follow that with an 800 megahertz LTE network. An urban and semi-urban overlay would be used using the UMTS 2100 megahertz and 1800 megahertz LTE. So that's in the the larger areas where you've got quite a bit of, of traffic. This is where they're really seeing that core 1800 megahertz LTE rollout. And then finally, hotspots would be used for traffic traffic-heavy city centers in also adding on uh, in the 2.6 gigahertz LTE bands there, which makes a little bit more sense if you think about we're talking about very, very uh, small distances. They're only going to be you know trying to roll out a network in areas that they've got really, really dense populations, and it's not that big of a deal that they have to uh, sacrifice the amount of distance that the, the, the frequencies are going to be going, and so 2.6 kind of makes sense there. Most carriers are currently undergoing testing right now of LTE in the various bands and haven't started any deployments yet. But, you know, this is uh, very, very different than what we're seeing in the U.S. Obviously, we had a 700 megahertz network that was purchased uh, about two or three years ago by Verizon, and they've already deployed a significant amount of their network with the 1700 megahertz LTE. And uh, this is kind of that sweet spot. We've talked about it in the past. That 700 megahertz range uh, allows for not only long distances of travel, but also good. it's a good band for in-building penetration. So when you find yourself in an area that's uh, densely populated in uh, lots of different buildings, you're not going to have as many issues with the, the frequencies penetrating the buildings. You know, take this and, and, and con- conversely look at how WiMAX has been deployed in, in some of the networks uh, that are out there. Well, uh, you know, some of the cities that are out there, I should say, are okay uh, as far as the amount of um, you know coverage that's there and the in-building penetration. But in the areas where it's relatively new, I think people are finding that once you get inside of a building, it's really difficult to use and unfortunately just not uh, not up to the standard that I, most people are expect from their wireless networks. And I know you've seen this with the, the 4G testing you did in Minneapolis with WiMAX. And I've got a couple of towers here of WiMAX in Phoenix as they're testing it out. Um, and I can stand outside my office and get 4G and walk 10 feet in and the 4G drops off. And, and so uh, that, that's something pretty telling about using, and that's the 2.5 gigahertz band. Um, so I think it's good, though, going back to this, that Europe is, is focusing on 1800 megahertz for their main band for LTE. Yeah, it, it will be a much more effective uh, frequency, I believe. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can overcome the frequency with more and more towers. But of course, that's a lot more expensive to run that particular network. You know, you look at what they're trying to do, too, and this this totally makes sense. We're going to have this, all right, 800 megahertz LTE is the national backbone. Then we're going to have in these urban areas, 1800 megahertz, and then super dense areas, 2.6 gigahertz. So they kind of they kind of move from, you know, the the very uh, the, the frequencies that allow for larger areas of coverage down and, and, and it just makes sense. And so I think it's very smart that they're doing this. Not to say that Verizon did anything wrong because using 700 megahertz everywhere is totally fine. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, take a, you know, take a look at what's happened here in the U S and they can, they can plan their networks for, uh, to hopefully function the best. And, uh, so we'll see what happens with this again, a lot of testing going on right now and uh, very few deployments. Uh, so we can expect to probably see those though within the next year or two. Market researcher Gartner on Thursday released its Q1 2011 numbers showing that over the first three months of the year, over 36 million Android devices were sold worldwide. This number beats out second place Symbian by 9 million devices and third place iOS by 20 million devices. The 600% increase in sales has shot Android from under 10% to 36% of the worldwide market share over the last year. 
During the three-month period, 428 million mobile devices were sold. That's up 19% from the same period a year ago. So if you think you see a lot of Android devices out there, this is why 36% of the worldwide market share is now held by Android. Uh, That's nothing to shake a stick at. That is a very, very big number. Nokia on Friday announced that it will use Qualcomm chipsets for its upcoming Windows Phone 7 handsets, the same as other devices running the Microsoft OS. ST Ericsson will supply the chips to the finish maker sometime in the future, though no timeline has been set. The first devices are expected to hit the market later this year. AT&T Tuesday sent out notices to Android developers that sideloading of applications will be allowed, starting with the Samsung Infuse and on all future devices. The change means that applications created by developers not in the Android market will be allowed to be installed on AT&T branded hardware. Further, alternative stores like Amazon's App Store will now function properly on AT&T devices. Users will not need to take any action as their phone will receive the update automatically. A class action lawsuit was filed against AT&T on Thursday, stating that AT&T is systematically overstating data charges on both iPad and iPhone data plan users. Though tests that were done by the third party found the class uh, having AT&T charging 7-14% to more data than was actually being used by customers. AT&T refuted the claim, stating that the suit is filed without merit, and the plaintiffs in the case don't understand how data charges work. The claimants did not specify the damages that they were seeking. So this kind of got me thinking because if you if you look at the devices that are out there right now that they're they're focusing on here both the the iOS devices these are phones that are are designed obviously to be very data intensive and they they use a lot of data with the applications and and uh, the things that are that are built into it but this issue would not really in my opinion be any different on any of the other networks around the world or then subsequently on the Verizon network here in the US the phones themselves or the iPads themselves are still functioning the same on both networks so why is it that then this class is not uh, taking the steps against uh, Verizon as well or you know in other areas of the world and so this really i think points to the fact that something is going on with AT&T and i'm not sure what it is that they're trying to how they're either pulling their data back uh, and maybe rounding it or doing something. But in the world of, uh, you know, tier data plans and either a 250 or two gigabyte plan, uh, you may be trying to count all the megabytes that you have. And uh, so this could definitely be a problem. I I guess I haven't even really thought about it. I've got an unlimited plan still. I plan on keeping that unlimited plan. But for those that that have the the tiers, uh, yeah, definitely you want to keep an eye on this one to see what happens. Well, the problem is you don't really have a way to see which applications are using the data. You don't have a way to turn that off, really. I mean, you can't just say, let's turn this data off entirely. And then when you do turn it on, you don't really have control over it. So it is kind of frustrating, unlike minutes where you make a phone call and it makes the connection, you know, that's uh, right when it starts counting and you know that they round the minutes up. Uh, that's easy enough to keep track of yourself and you can verify that it is in fact correct. But but bytes and data, that's just kind of a mystery. You don't really know what's going on. And of course, depending on how they round it, uh, depending on what they're doing, it can add up uh, in a big way towards their favor. I think one of the issues too that they're saying is they left devices off and they were still showing them as using some sort of data on them. And who knows exactly how the testing was done. Um, but uh, I, I would imagine that something will happen with a settlement here. Uh, either that or AT&T will come out and say, look, we, we, ha- we found an error, we fixed it, and we're moving on. But either way, something's going to, uh, to be done with this. So anyway, if you're an AT&T customer, just, uh, we'll keep an eye on this one and let you know what you need to know. Verizon announced on Monday the expansion of its LTE network on May 19th. 
The new markets include Mobile, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, Pensacola, Tallahassee, and Gainesville, Florida, Fayetteville, Lumberton, North Carolina, Greater Fairfield and New London, Connecticut, Bryan College Station, and Temple Killeen, Texas. Verizon also increased the LTE footprint in Atlanta, Chicago, Denver, New Orleans, and Philadelphia. Reuters on Thursday reported that Verizon will start offering both family data plans and tiered pricing starting this summer. According to the article, Verizon Wireless CFO Fran Shamo told them that plans to kick off pricing changes this summer by eliminating smartphone plans that will allow unlimited web access for a flat fee. It will replace them with a tiered pricing structure that forces heavy data users to pay more for mobile data, though no specifics in plans were mentioned. Shamo also said that they will begin shared data plan options at the same time, allowing multiple devices on a single account. We've had individual minutes for individual users, then we eventually got to where we had a family share plan for everyone in the family sharing the same minutes, Shamo said. I think it's safe to assume that we are at the same point and we're going to have mega plans for data, and people are just going to share that mega plan based on the number of devices within their family. It's just a logical progression. Again, no specifics were mentioned. Well, the interesting thing about this, this could be good, but it's also adding to the story that we just talked about is how do you account for this data? Uh, when there's multiple people involved, it makes it more and more difficult to, to keep an accounting of what's going on. And if there's fudge factor going on here, it makes it even more difficult to keep track of it, which means, in fact, you know, your company's revenue, which is, of course, that's what they're looking for. They're not going to be making plans that are better for the consumer. They're going to be making plans that are better for their bottom line uh, overall. And if for some consumers, it'll definitely be a benefit, but for others, it will definitely be a disadvantage because, you know, maybe not all the data will be used or there'll be data overages, which of course is really in their favor. Um, and it's a lot harder to keep track of. And I think this is going to be very similar to what we've seen with with the family share plans when it comes to the number of minutes that are being used. If you think about the lowest levels right now, they're usually what about 400, 450 minutes for the price of what $70 per month. Um, you know, and, and that comes down that basically takes down from what a 450 minute plan would be, which is I think $40 a month. Uh, so it drops it down. So if you had two plans, that would be $80 and each person would have that same number of minutes. And you can take those two plans, combine them, and you can take $10 off. So then you're down to $70 instead of 80 and uh, share the same number of minutes. So if we kind of take a, a page out of maybe what AT&T is doing right now, and they're saying we've got two gigabytes of data for $25 a month. Uh, if you were to take that two gigs of data, maybe they're allowing two people to share that on a family plan for, say, $20 a month, uh, and then you can you can just use that. But that is that makes a lot of sense for some people that are using a lot of Wi-Fi and, and not using a lot of mobile data, but I'll be honest, I would uh, I th- would have a real hard time seeing, you know, two people sharing that amount of data. And so it's just going to go up from there. So you could, you know, maybe say five gigabytes for, I don't know, 50 bucks a month or something like that. And, and they'll make the plans in a way where, of course, like Joey says, they're going to be beneficial to them where they're going to be seeing a higher ARPU for those that are really using more data and, uh, you know, forcing these heavy data users to pay more for it. So um, this just makes sense. And I, I totally get why they're doing it. I think it's going to be mostly good uh, because I don't imagine most people are using the you know, like the gig and a half to two gigs of data a month. Uh, most of them are you know in the in the hundreds of megabytes, depending on what it is. Um, 
this is leads to a whole other discussion of things like streaming video, music locker services, you know, streaming your music and not having it locally on your devices, uh, and uh, what you know how people are using their phones is going to be changing, uh, and we're going to see, I think, uh, a lot of overages because it's like you said, it's really hard to to understand how much data that you're using people understand what a minute of time is and when they're talking on the phone how how much that is but they don't know you know say that a, a video uses 250 megabytes uh you know to stream a video over the course of a half hour or it uses you know three megabytes per song they don't they don't understand that and i don't think they should need to understand that that's exactly right and that's what was nice about unlimited plans uh now we've got to change the way we're thinking and and do it the other way around it's kind of like if you were driving your car and you're charged the the tax on it as as opposed to just paying it with your fuel which is how it's done now uh what if the state goes in i know i keep seeing this legislation. what if you had to pay by the mile for your tax so then there's a device installed in your car that you then have to keep track of how you're paying the tax and how you're driving. So you, it's then a completely different way you keep track of things then. And that's kind of what's going on here. Hmm. Well, they say logical progression. I, I think that's probably right, uh, though. No specifics yet, but we'll probably see something here in the next couple of months. Well, speaking of Unlimited, T-Mobile this past weekend announced the launch or relaunch, I guess, of its Unlimited Wi-Fi calling option for free on phones that support UMA. A free Wi-Fi calling feature must be added to a user's T-Mobile account and then placing calls over Wi-Fi, previously deducted plan minutes, they will now be free and unlimited. So great news there for T-Mobile folks that uh, either have an, an Android device or Blackberries that have the uh, UMA support built in. T-Mobile on Tuesday announced a new used handset trade-in program providing a check when trading in your old device. The carrier will accept old devices from any carrier or brand, though the phone must be fully functional, including no water or display damage. Trade-ins must be done at the store, where a retail employee will assess the value of the handset and offer up to $300 towards the purchase of a new device in the form of a voucher to the wireless source. TWS will perform a final inspection on the device and send out a check with the final trade-in value. Amazon also started a similar program this week, expanding its trade-in program to now include mobile phones and other electronics. Customers will fill out a form on Amazon.com, indicate the condition of the device, and then print out a prepaid shipping label and send it to Amazon. Amazon will then inspect the items and deposit the money in the form of a gift card into a user's account. Virgin Mobile Wednesday reintroduced a $20 monthly data plan and providing 500 megabytes of user data. Virgin now offers three data plans, the $20 option, plus a $10 for 100 megabyte option or for 10 days or a $50 for 2.5 gigabytes of data for 30-day option. Clearwire on Wednesday announced an agreement to outsource its WiMAX uh, network operations to Ericsson. The deal, which will last for seven years, leaves the ownership of the network to Clearwire, though approximately 700 employees for the company will be transferred over to Ericsson. Terms were not disclosed, though Sprint entered into a similar agreement with Ericsson two years ago for $5 billion. CNET on Friday reported that Clearwire's COO Eric Prush said the company is likely to move from WiMAX over to LTE. Prush said, WiMAX to date has been very good, to, a very good technology choice for us, and we were able to take advantage of the speed to market before LTE was even a glimmer in anyone's eye. But we recognize the ecosystem in the U.S. will be larger for LTE than WiMAX, so we are conscious of that. We don't believe that customers buy a technology, they buy a fast and reliable access to a data network. Further, Prush said that LTE needs to mature a bit before they make the switch, but no timeline on that was given. 
and and hence you know they the they needs to mature which means costs need to come down for the actual equipment themselves kind of like what t-mobile did waiting for their 3g network by the time they got it deployed they were able to purchase the tower equipment and the back-end equipment much cheaper because it's been out it's been proven uh you know economy of scale everybody else is using it so that makes it cheaper and that's what uh, they're going to be waiting for and uh, it's probably a good move because lte is a slightly newer protocol it's more efficient it probably has better penetration i would imagine it uh and it's probably more efficient on the spectrum as well so uh real realistically it's probably a, a better move for them to to make the switch to lte so do you think that uh, if, if they were to make that, how long do you think this is going to take? Because I, I'm looking at the infrastructure, the devices, you know, everything's 4G now on WiMAX for them. And it's obviously not going to, it's, they're not going to be able to turn on a dime. It's kind of like, you know, turning a big cruise ship. It's going to take them quite a while to do so. There's going to be overlays. There's going to be simultaneous networks being run. I mean, it, making a change like this, fortunately, I guess, they're, they're not in that many markets. But it's going to take them, I think, quite a while to do so. I would think so, but I, I honestly, you know, Clearwire, if you just take Clearwire themselves, they don't have that many customers. I mean, realistically, I can't remember what the number was, but it, it really wasn't that many. And I think the the advantages to their network is probably worth more than actually sending new modems out to all the, the customers they have. Uh, a bigger issue would maybe be some of the Sprint users, especially like Evo users and the, the other 4G phones they have out. But it's not like those phones go completely inactive um at, at the time so uh, i mean i would be thinking a few years here they but they don't want to wait too long because the longer they wait the more people have the wimax equipment so the sooner they do it they actually probably the the, the better hmm. that's a great point i i look at the what they what they put out together you know what they put out so far is has been uh it's been okay um you know in in my use like i mentioned a couple of weeks ago it's uh it works. Uh, the speeds are reliable. Uh, you know, three megabit per second down, one megabit per second up. I, you know, I know we heard you know faster speeds than that, but again, it's it's it, you know comparison to what else is out there right now. It it, it feels like they're just kind of uh, you know just kind of stagnant, but at the same time reliable. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with this, but um, you know, nonetheless, they say that uh, they're looking to uh, to make that change. Well, if you're looking for a way to support the cell phone junkie, you can join us on TCPJ Unlocked. It's our bi-monthly premium podcast for $5 a month, $12 for three months, or $45 for an entire year. You'll hear in-depth conversations about the latest in cellular issues, interviews with industry experts, and much more. Sign up is easy. Just visit thecellphonejunkie.com. Click the link for TCPJ Unlocked. And a big thank you goes out to everyone that subscribes. Well, Apple this week had some interesting news come out about a position that they're looking to hire for as a carrier engineer in the Kansas City area is now available. The position around Kansas City, Missouri is just miles from the Sprint headquarters in Overland Park, Kansas, and the position is responsible for getting technical certification of devices on new carriers, of which Sprint is the only one with an office in the area. No announcements have been made by Apple, uh, but it looks like this could be uh, very, very serious as far as the next carrier to come out for the iPhone. You know, we, we talked about Verizon, what, about a year ago when they had a very similar type position where people were, were doing testing for this or they were hiring for positions for testers. Uh, and uh, so it's kind of almost a, a sign of things to come. You know, I really think it is because why would you have a carrier engineer in that particular area? I mean, that just, that, that would be, that would be it. So uh, it is exciting to see the, the, the iPhone coming on Sprint. I'm not surprised, of course, because the hardware of the Verizon iPhone completely supports Sprint because it has both the bands uh, that Sprint uses. So it's basically just a pop 
pop right in, you know, change uh, the PRL for the roaming lists and it's ready to go. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of not sure the timeline. I, I'm not sure if this will be the iPhone that'll come out right away or if this is going to be the next iteration, like the sixth iPhone. Uh, you know, I would think if they're hiring right now, they could probably get the engineer running up in a few weeks. I mean, literally, I'm sure they don't have the, that much to do as far as uh, you know, training and things like that. So this really could be for the up and coming iPhone that we're supposed to see kind of in the fall time frame. I mean, I think this is possible that they could get that tested that quickly because because they already have the majority of the work done with the Verizon iPhone. There's there's not a lot now to do for the Sprint side of things, and that's why I feel like this could be something where it, it is the the iPhone that's uh, coming this year. Well, and one of the things that that Sprint has over, uh, you know, over Verizon, I guess they both kind of have it, uh, you know, equally is that you've got you've got devices that um, run on CDMA. And of course, that is a a network that is is very limited in the number of of countries around the world that it can be supported in. Well, there are a number of devices that are now have global support through the GSM and HSPA uh, versions uh, of the of hardware that are being included within the CDMA devices. And so um, Verizon has uh, has not come out and and said uh, yet that this is going to be for sure. But uh, the CFO this week said he he gave some pretty big clues that that is the way that they're going to be going with the next version. Um, it, their CFO Shamo said, "I think it's a bigger issue for Apple than it is with us. But depending on where Apple plays, that's where what will sell." Uh, so he's also he's basically noting that that version that could include GSM and HSPA along with CDMA could be in the next version, which is something I, I think we've. Very much have felt is going to happen, uh, but Apple, you know, said that they're likely not going to do anything with LTE here this year, uh, and so that again could be in the sixth generation of the iPhone. Which goes back to the story two minutes ago with what is Clearwire doing? What are they going to be doing for their technology? Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Apple to put together a whole other device that does CDMA and WiMAX in it. Uh, that that just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but that could certainly work for them if they were to have an LTE network ready to go at that point, which, you know, maybe late next year, early 2013, you know, now we're talking, now we're talking about a time frame that sort of makes sense. Um, but again, you know, Verizon says, hey, we're, uh, we're, we're really exploring here, depending on what Apple does, selling a global uh, iPhone here come the next version, and it would make sense then to Sprint to have that as well. Again, no one is really saying anything. They're saying a lot, but they're not saying anything, and so uh, it just it leads to a lot of rumor and speculation. But it it kind of makes sense when you look at it. It does because the exclusivity of of the iPhone, there is no more exclusivity. So now that it it's not exclusive, okay, it can be on every carrier, and we've seen that around the world. Uh, Verizon claimed that they didn't have an exclusive CDMA on there. So it, it does make sense that Sprint would be able to pick it up now, and they probably don't have to ha- pay the big bucks to Apple like they did in the beginning. AT&T did in the beginning because of the exclusivity and the newness of it. Um, so now that they've waited this time, they can probably get the iPhone cheaper. And, of course, it, it's good for the network because it supports supports the network with more users. Mm. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not opposed to... Uh, to seeing any sort of devices, uh, and, and you know where they 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 sell it on all these different networks. That um, what I'm, I guess, 
concerned about is just how they're going to manage the the expectations of what the users are going to expect with these. And Apple's never been one on picking up the latest technology right away, right? So that that's, you know, they didn't do it with the first iPhone. They had Edge. So we're not really expecting LTE here this year. They're going to let that kind of be vetted by Android and, and other devices, maybe Windows Phone here too. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, with this. And uh, I, here's what I think. I think we're going to have a phone that looks very similar, uh, an iPhone that looks very similar to the current hardware that's out there. Maybe a bigger screen, maybe not. I don't think that really matters. I don't, I don't know that customers really care that much about it. Uh, better camera, dual core processor, maybe more memory internally, but they didn't do it with the iPad too. So I don't know. Uh, maybe they won't do it with this one. And um, it's going to have global support. You know, it's going to have HSPA plus for uh, for both the GSM and CDMA sides. Uh, but uh, it, it's obviously going to still have CDMA so that it runs on Verizon. And I think we'll see a sprint version. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I kind of made this prediction. I don't know, maybe the, the, the New Year show or last year that Apple's going to be kind of on a two year major refresh cycle here where the the hardware is going to be kind of a minor refresh uh between between these two generations so now that we're kind of the, the this is going to be the mid-model year you know how like uh car manufacturers i'm going to use this again you know they run for six seven years on a particular body style particular frame engine everything but every year there's some tweaks to it and then uh, a manufacturer like bmw for example through the the mid-model uh mid-model cycle they do an lci which is the life cycle impulse and they do kind of a major redesign but it's the exact same car they put a new front bumper on it they put maybe a different engine uh you know they they changed the interior uh, a bit not drastically but just enough to make it a kind of a new model uh change the taillights but it's still the exact same engine management still the same engines usually i mean or that maybe tweak but it, you know it's like the same car it's the same thing but it's kind of a different system so i think that's what apple's going to be doing here kind of a every other year for a major refresh and I think this year, like you said, we're going to see probably a, a new processor, but I think uh, it's going to be, you know, part of their announcement is going to be mostly uh, a software related. So I think we're going to be seeing, uh, you know, cloud based stuff. We're going to be seeing, you know, new, you know, software like we saw with the iPad 2 with GarageBand and the other uh, interesting software they released. We're going to see some newer, something more exciting that we kind of haven't predicted yet is going to be coming to the iOS for this for this uh, update. And that's what I really feel we're going to see. And I would have said, you know, we need to see a new piece of hardware because of the the issues with the antenna and, and just that not working right. But no one really seems to care about it anymore. I mean, it has not has not slowed down sales of the phone. It's not really affected uh, the, the Verizon folks all that much. And uh, you know, so it, overall, it, it doesn't really seem to be as much of an issue. Plus, a lot of people like cases on this phone. Um, I just I I don't know that they're going to need to do it. I mean, we saw the white iPhone come out ten months after the launch of the the you know last year of the iPhone four, and I, this one still has the the antenna issue. So they haven't really fixed anything with that, and so I'm not sure that they're looking to make any changes with that. But I mean, I absolutely thought that they would be doing something like they would want to you know dump this thing like uh, you know the, the, they never wanted to see it again. But maybe not, maybe not. I mean, it is a nice looking piece of hardware. Yeah, it is. And, I, you know, Apple really does like to sell style. And, uh, you know, I think they, they like this design. Um, and why change it so rapidly? I mean, at first, I guess I can understand, you know, why they changed from the iPhone 1 to the iPhone 3G. But I, 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 I know they want to stretch these product cycles out just a little bit because they don't want to tire and wear the users out as fast as they were doing because they probably realized it is too frequent. And, you know, let Android be the the crazy one, releasing model after model after model, 
I think Apple does need to kind of step back and slow down a bit. And, I, and it, we've definitely see they're doing that because th- there's not going to be one this summer. At least we, we don't think there is. And it's ju- it just makes sense to me for them to do this because, uh, you know, they're the ones that like to keep the, the, the high end, the high quality, the, you know, solid design. And if they're in this game of updating it absolutely constantly, they're going to change their focus. And that's not really what Apple's about. And I don't know what I'm going to do if, uh, you know, iPhone 5 comes out and it's really just a, an incremental step. I mean, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, uh, you know, to, to make that upgrade. I mean, a dual core processor, yeah, it'd be nice, but um, it, it doesn't feel like it's uh, an absolute necessity to, you know, to make that upgrade. And uh, but I've got a I've got a, a you know, an upgrade credit here with AT&T. So I got to make a decision. Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Uh, you know, what am I going to do here? Uh, maybe it's make that jump over to Verizon and buy one there. But then I'm going to feel like, well. It's probably going to be an LTE one next year. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It, it's uh, it, it's the cycle that is phones and everything that we're going on here. And making a generational leap is definitely, it happened when we went to 3G. We saw there's, you know, hundreds of edge devices out there and then just a few 3G devices. And it was like, well, you had to go and buy like a Win- Windows mobile phone or, uh, you know, something, you know, they didn't have 3G Blackberries at the time. And it's going to be the same. They're going to have a lot of 4G Android devices. Maybe, like I said, maybe Windows Phone. I'm not really sure. I, I keep thinking that there's going to be. But then uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Verizon uh, just announced their first uh, Windows Phone device. So I'm not sure how quickly they're going to want to adopt LTE with that. So anyway, kind of a, an interesting thing here. But uh, look for that. Look, maybe Sprint. Maybe uh, global support with the next version of the iPhone. Verizon on Thursday, like I said, announced the HTC Trophy, their first Windows Phone 7 handset on the network. It features the Nodo update pre-installed and includes a 1 gigahertz Snapdragon processor, 3.8-inch WVGA screen, 5-megapixel camera with autofocus and LED flash, and records video in 720p. Other specs include 16 gigs of storage, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS. The Trophy is a world phone, including GSM and HSPA bands for operation internationally. The Trophy will be available online starting May 26th and in stores June 2nd for $150 on a two-year agreement. Verizon is offering those who purchase the trophy before July 15th a free Xbox 360 game. Via its Facebook page on Thursday, AT&T confirmed that it will be selling the HTC HD7S starting on June 5th. The device is nearly identical to the HD7, but updates the 4.3-inch screen to a Super LCD one. Other features include a 1 gigahertz processor, 5-megapixel camera, and dual LED flash. The HD7S will be $200 with two-year agreement. Wireless accessories site Wireless Accessories Group on Monday seems to have outed the names of the Samsung Galaxy S2 that's going to be sold by the carriers here in the U.S. According to the item description posted on the WXG site, AT&T will be getting the Samsung Galaxy S2 Attain, Verizon will be getting the Galaxy S2 Function, Sprint will be getting the Galaxy S2 Within. T-Mobile is not listed by the site, though none of the carriers have announced whether they're going to be getting the device anyway or what the official names will be. The Galaxy S2 has a dual-core processor, Super AMOLED Plus display, 8-megapixel camera, and Android 2.3.3 gingerbread. Verizon on Tuesday announced pre-orders of the Xperia Play will begin on Thursday, May 19th, and the device will be in stores May 26th. The Play is $200 with a two-year agreement. Verizon on Wednesday announced the Motorola Droid X2, the successor to the Droid X. The device features a 4.3-inch QHD display, dual-core 1GHz processor, 8-megapixel camera with 720p video, and Android 2.2. 
The X2 will not feature LTE, but will feature Verizon's mobile hotspot service. The device will be available for $200 on contract starting on May 26th. And the site This Is My Next scored a pretty nice scoop this week with the SuperSpect T-Mobile Hercules. According to the report, the device will feature a 4.5-inch Super AMOLED Plus display at 480 by 800 resolution, Android 2.3, near-field communications, T-Mobile's new Category 24 HSDPA 42 megabit per second data, AWS 1700 bands for 3G, plus AT&T's 850 and 1900 megahertz bands for post-merger support, a 1.2 gigahertz Qualcomm dual-core processor, 8-megapixel rear camera, 16 gigs of ROM, 1 gig of RAM, and no word on a timeline for this device, though they say August or September is the anticipated time frame. Now, I look at this device as kind of the one that's going to win the spec race this year, especially if that is indeed what it comes out with. There's always seems to be one or two things with these devices that kind of are a little frustrating. With the Droid X2, it's the lack of LTE. But then you look at the Hercules, and that's got the, the 4G data, or at least what you know, T-Mobile's calling 4G, up to you know, HSPA 42 megabits per second. But it's got a 4.5-inch display at only 480 by 800 resolution. It's not QHD. It's, it's, this, uh, you know, it's, it's the lower resolution. And so that's, it's kind of a, there's always, it seems to be one thing, one Achilles heel with each one of these devices. Um, you know, I would just love to see something that just ticks all those boxes and, and just has every single thing that's out there you know the hercules is almost there except it doesn't have a good enough screen the dread x is almost there but it doesn't have lte and so there's it seems like there's always something with each one of these devices and it's uh it's increasingly frustrating but you know again how many how many customers actually care about each of these uh you know particular features that's out there uh and really does um doesn't matter. People are still buying these devices, right? They're still finding what works best for them. Um, I don't know. I, I this and this is my problem with Android. I still can't figure out a device that meets every single need that I have, and so yet I, I sit here not buying one. Well, and the interesting thing is, it, it they're coming out so quickly, you'll never be satisfied because each device that comes out, there's going to be oh wow, look at that great new feature. Why isn't that feature on X device or this device? Or and and then you get into this game of comparing the features like this and you think, oh, I need this feature and you really don't because you haven't needed it up to this point. But that's the problem because there are so many to choose from. Then you start getting kind of overwhelmed. I mean, how many iPhones do you get to choose from right now? You, you choose your size and well, now your color, but that's it. I mean, you don't have to deal with your screen resolutions. You don't have to deal with all the stuff. Well, I suppose if you do with the 3GS, but uh, you know, all these little teeny details that add up to be kind of a different phone experience. Uh, you don't have to worry about with a with a simpler style device like that, like the pre's and and you know where they're just they've got one or two models. And I guess that's kind of the one of the selling points of Android is that you get so many options to choose from. You can choose, you know, exactly the device that you want. You can you can see the different you know form factors, the different specs, you know, price points. Everything is is customizable there. Again, it's you know we're, we're we've moved ourselves into this commodity operating system, and just everything can run it, and uh, so it doesn't matter what the specs are. You you can get it on it. Well, this is kind of the interesting. Now the Android is kind of the uh, the the odd OS out compared to Windows Phone, which is they've got a, a, a hardware set that Microsoft declares this is what you need to run Windows Phone, uh, and it's a it's a fairly limited. I mean, there's a couple of flavors of hardware, but it's pretty consistent. Uh, like I just said, Web OS and the pre the pre three that's coming out uh, and the pre two they're very you know this is what it is. It's just one piece of hardware. Uh, iPhone iOS is the same way. Um, Blackberries 
they're kind of that. I mean, there's a bunch of different flavors, but now they've kind of consolidated to just, you know, you've got the curve, the bold style, and then, you know, there's a storm and a touchscreen torch and, and, but there's, there's a handful of models, but, but, but Android device, yeah, you're all over the place. So they're the ones that they, they take the liberty and say, okay, here's, here's where you've got the variety of choices. The Hercules does look nice though. I got to say, I, I like it, uh, you know, with, with the exception of the screen, which I don't know, every time I look at a device, even, you know, the Nexus is a nice screen, but then I, I flip over to my iPhone and I'm going, oh man, you know, I mean, it just, it's so much better, so much, so much more crisp. And I just, uh, I know the QHD is there and, and it's, uh, it's, it's pretty darn close, but uh, there's few, few devices right now that have QHD. Uh, seeing that iPhone screen, Mickey, I mean, when I've seen yours, it's just like, wow, that's real. I mean, cause it, it really doesn't look real. I mean, it does kind of look fake because it is, it's so good. I mean, it looks like it's been, you know, printed with, you know, high quality, you know, printing press and uh, because it looks fake because it doesn't look like a screen because it's such high resolution. It, it really is amazing. Well, we'll see what happens with the, with these devices. And, you know, we have lots of different options here and lots of great ones. I mean, every, almost every device that comes out today, especially on the Android side, it seems like, um, you know, we can, we can pick on it and we can say one or two things about every single one. But, uh, really the, the truth is, is they're all very, very good, very capable devices. And, uh, you know, any of us would be happy, happy with any of them. Well, uh, this is my next had that Her- Hercules scoop. They also got their hands on this week, the 2011 T-Mobile device roadmap. It showcased a number of headsets coming each month. According to the piece, six Android handsets will be coming, including the HTC sensation and the Samsung exhibit, both coming in June. Then the MyTouch 4G Slide and HTC Marvel will be hitting in July, and the Huawei Ideos in August, and that Hercules in September. On the BlackBerry side, it looks like the Monza is coming in June with the Bold Touch and the Apollo in August. No Windows Phone 7 or iOS listings within the rumor, though none have officially been announced either by T-Mobile. Well, on the other sponsor side this week, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application that you can pick up for either your Android device or the iOS. We talk about it at the top of the show each week, but I wanted to dig into a little bit for you and explain what you get for your two bucks. So when you download the the uh, application, uh, you get access to all of the shows that are available uh, directly on the website, directly on your device, and it allows you to then scroll through and find uh, every single uh, you know episode. It lists it by date. Uh, you can also do searching on there and uh, f- find the show that you're specifically looking for. There are some extras that come with it, including figuring uh, or going in and actually seeing what's going on uh, with that particular show in the show notes. You can also directly uh, view a PDF of those notes. Visit the website uh, of the uh, the cell phone junkie and then click through to the links that we have in the show as well. You can also contact us directly from the application, whether you want to call or email the show. You can also visit the Twitter site so you can see what's going on within the world of news or also on Facebook. And then finally, you can star episodes on the iOS application that allow you to then use those uh, to listen to those episodes when you're offline. So say you're, you're getting on a plane, find the latest episode, click on the star next to it, and it's going to cache that episode onto your device. And then you can listen to it while you're on the go. It's a nice, easy way without having to feel like you're tethered to iTunes to, uh, to listen to the shows every single week. And of course, it helps us uh, when you download it and uh, we appreciate it. So if you have any questions about that, make sure you let me know or go ahead over and download it 
for $2. Well, Slacker Radio on Tuesday announced its Slacker Premium Radio, another tier for the online music streaming service, now providing on-demand access to over 8 million songs. The premium service allows access to individual songs, albums, top charts, station playlists, single artist radio stations, and more. Slacker Premium is available on the web and on new applications for the iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, Android, and BlackBerry smartphones. In addition to to adding premium radio, the new application uh, released provides an even more powerful radio experience by featuring in-depth artist and station pages, which include top 50 charts for all Slacker radio stations. Finally, the new app allows for the creation of personalized stations and song-specific playlists. Starting on Tuesday and for a limited time, a free subscription to the premium radio service is available by visiting facebook.com slash slacker radio. The service is $10 a month and allows for unlimited skipping of tracks and ad removal. Uh, A full list of features is available as well as uh, uh, examples and and demonstrations of how each of the applications works uh, in the post that we're going to, we have up on the website. So um, I want to talk about this because uh, they are not a sponsor though. Slacker radio are, are, they're great folks. And uh, so I've been testing out the beta service of the the premium uh, that they've had for the past about two months, I suppose um, on the iPhone. And I have to say, this is one of the more impressive music services that's out there. And I think one of the things that, that really makes it for me is that, it gets away from just the radio station model where it's it's created, you know, say, you know, 80s, 90s and today as a radio station. Well, well, nice and something that I really enjoy. If I ever want to find a specific song, I can easily go in and I can do a search for a song and then play either that specific song or I can then find that artist and I can play nearly every album um, that, that that person has ever put together. So as an example, um, I went in and I, I searched for Dave Matthews Band here. Now, Dave Matthews is is a huge artist, and I, I can't even tell you how many albums I'm looking at here. But I have everything from you know his latest uh, his latest ones that have been out there, like Stand Up, and of course um, you know, but then go all the way back to a bunch of live concerts and and all the songs on on demand, listen from anywhere. It really is an amazing service here. Ten dollars a month is all it is, uh, and it gives you. 8 million songs in your pocket, skippable. You can go, you, you know, you can save them. You can listen to them on repeat if you want to. Um, I was, uh, I was talking about this on the Android central show this past week, just how absolutely amazing it is. Um, Jerry over there said, you know, they've got my money. If they can pull up, uh, an artist called half Japanese, uh, punk rock group I'd never heard of before. So I did a search for them and I've got nearly, you know, every album that's here, from this group called Half Japanese. So, I mean, it's, it's really uh, reliable um, as far as the, the number of, of, of artists and tracks and everything that it has. It's, it's pretty impressive. Again, they are not a sponsor, um, but I'm a big music fan. I've got uh, thousands and thousands of, of songs on my computer, and I don't listen to any of them anymore because of how good Slacker is. And uh, Joey, I, I would uh, encourage you to give me the name of either a song or an artist here that you can think of that's obscure, and uh, let, me, let me just type it in and see if I can find it for you. Well, I don't even really have an obscure artist. I mean, I, I know a few that I like, but they're not really that obscure. So uh, we'll just forego that right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I do like this model. I mean, uh, what we've talked about in the past, you know, managing your music collection is a pain. Uh, I don't like it myself anymore. Um, it's nice to have certain tracks. I mean, I like certain things um, and I like to have those certain things. But now I've really... I, I I really like the satellite radio because I subscribe to Sirius and and you know granted the channels are good but there's not always what you exactly want to listen to 
and uh, you know the services like Slacker and Pandora, they've got the the uh, you know radio station model, which generally it's very good. It's uh, nice. You don't have to manage your music. You you can uh, you know get the station. It gives you a variety of stuff you wouldn't maybe normally listen to. Um, you know Slacker had this the the upgraded level where you could then tr- uh, skip skip tracks that you didn't like, and it would learn that. Um, that was a great upgrade. Uh, but now they've taken it to the, the, the full cup of tea here where you've got your same streaming radio concept, but it's not just streaming radio anymore. Now you've got the here's streaming radio that you can enjoy without having to program or manage your music. But now if I'm in the mood for Steely Dan, here we go. I want to load Asia right up and then, you know, we can listen to that right away. Um, you know, I'm in the mood for, you know, more Chiba or something and you just load that up. You can start playing it on demand. And that's really amazing because I don't have to manage those MP3s. I don't have to go back to my computer and then transfer them to my MP3 player and then start playing them. No, they're just there, um, you know, with the, with the service. So it's, to me, it's a little bit expensive because, you know, for my drive time, which that's why the satellite radio is good for me. Um, it, it's not going to be something I sign up for right now, but having that service there and that option there, it's, it, you can't really beat it because nothing else really exists like that. So you did mention Steely, Steely Dan in Asia, so I did a quick search. I've got it here, uh, put in, uh, uh, I guess, recorded 1977, and uh, I've got the album art here, and I've got all seven songs. Um, I can play everything from Black Cow down to Josie. So I've got every, every single one of them here. I could hit play, and there you go. I mean, it's that easy just to do a search for it, and uh, you're, you're, you're streaming everything right there. It's amazing. Yeah, it was really impressive when we saw the demo from uh, Slacker at CES when they were showing us the service back then when they were wasn't quite ready yet, but they were showing the kind of the gist of how it was working. And it really was impressive how you could then take that artist and then take, you know, add the other albums that they they've done uh, that are in the service. Oh, but then there's also the the whole, you know, hit the subcategory button where it's like artists like this and albums like this by other artists and other songs that are like this. And it was like you could build a, a, a huge playlist in a matter of seconds based on that kind of music. So, uh, I, it, you know, that is what I find interesting, you know, putting in an artist and a song name. OK, that's that's cool and all. But but some of that other suggestive services where, you know, an artist like Steely Dan pops up on that screen and it gives you the ability to add an album like, you know, like Asia, because that's kind of a different style album than if you take, you know, a different uh, different Steely Dan album from much earlier on. Um, it, it, it was just a very neat service. So Joey likes Steely Dan, so he may like the Eagles or Eric Clapton or Billy Joel or a number of, I've got hundreds and hundreds of artists here. So it is, it's very impressive. You can, you know, create stations or it shows stations, I should say, where those artists are played. And of course, all the songs that are, are popular there. And then you can also sort of buy Alpha as well. So it, it, it's just, it's unbelievably customizable and uh, very, very robust. Eight million songs. Uh, I don't know how many songs there are out there today. Um, I feel like I've got a very comprehensive collection with about 100,000 songs, but that's, you know, I'm talking now about, you know, what is that, 80 times the number of songs that, that, that they're saying that they have on-demand access to, so it's, it's truly impressive. Uh, I'm, like I said, they are not a sponsor, but they are a very, very good service. I'm, I'm, I really like Slacker, and uh, check them out if you haven't. Well, to me, it's kind of the equivalent of Netflix. It, it's, uh, but, but of course, it's actually more, probably more comprehensive than Netflix because you know Netflix for streaming, uh, streaming wise, they don't have everything available. But it's it's taking this ability to have this gigantic live. I mean, could you imagine trying to load your Google SkyDrive with that many songs? I mean, you, you just can't do it. You couldn't afford it. So, but paying ten dollars a month to just have access to it 
you know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a flip model compared to what we're used to, you know, compared to buying the CDs and, and, and archiving and storing yourself and having possession of this, you know, piece of physical hardware. But now, you know, with Netflix, I've, I haven't bought a DVD in years. I pay about a DVD a month or actually now less because I'm now down to the one DVD plan, but, but I've got access to every DVD under the sun to get it mailed to me within a day or two. I've got a streaming library that just keeps expanding like crazy. I'm, I'm still impressed with that. And I don't have to store any of this stuff. It's worth money not to have to store this stuff and to collect it and try to organize it and go find it when I want to hear it. So, I mean, it, in, you know, if it was any more expensive, I'd say, uh, it's not enough. I mean, 10 is, 10 is pretty decent for, for this kind of, if you say, okay, it's one CD a month or even less than some CDs per month. Uh, that's pretty uh that's pretty fair i absolutely think so and uh i, I think it makes it makes all the sense in the world to upgrade from the pre- the uh, slacker plus plan to the premium plan just to get access to this um i, I think they they are going to have uh some annual plans as well I, i'm not positive but again you get a free month trial but head over to facebook.com slash slacker radio and uh, check it out if you've got either an android device blackberry or iphone RIM announced the details for the BIS 4.0 on Monday. It brings Google Calendar synchronization as well as a few other minor changes. Those include automatic login improvements, additional language support, uh, that Google Calendar synchronization, as well as secret secret question changes and Windows Live integration. Uh, the rollout schedule was not announced, but is expected soon. Joey, not a whole lot going on here for RIM and the new BIS. No, I would love to see a little bit faster synchronization for the email read and unread. And when I delete it out of my Google inbox, I want to see it deleted more than a few hours later on my phone. It should be within a few minutes, not hours. Come on, this isn't that this isn't rocking science here to uh, do the synchronization a little bit quicker. Mm. Well, I, uh, I I can't say that I disagree with you. I know that's very frustrating. Uh, you know, you delete it on the BlackBerry, and it's instantaneous almost on the on the Gmail side, but on, in the reverse, it's it's awful. So not a not a big fan. So yeah, maybe that'll get sped up as well. Verizon BlackBerry users got an upgrade to the BlackBerry Bold ninety six fifty and Curve three G ninety three thirty this week in the form of software update six point zero point zero point five two four. The update can be downloaded manually and installed through BlackBerry Desktop Manager. Samsung sent out the official press release on Monday stating that the Galaxy S and Galaxy Tab lines will be receiving the gingerbread update this month. The rollout will start in the UK and Scandinavia mid-May and move to the rest of Europe, North America, and Asia by the end of the month. The update will uh, be available via Keys, Samsung's device management software. Keys can be downloaded from Samsung's corporate website at samsung.com. Google on Wednesday acknowledged and began rolling out a security fix for a user authentication exposure flaw. According to Google, today we're starting a rollout to fix uh, out, out a fix which addresses a potential security flaw that could, under certain circumstances, allow a third-party access to data available in calendar and contacts. The fix requires no action from users and will roll out globally over the next few days. So that issue uh, that was fixed in Gingerbread lets a, uh, an attacker have access to your Google Calendar contacts and Picasa account if you ever log in on an unsecure Wi-Fi network. Since there are a number of devices that will never get the Gingerbread update, Google has fixed this issue through a server-side solution. So this is a, a pretty neat thing that they were able to do, um, but it had something to do with uh, uh, a token that was used uh, for the synchronization of the calendar and contacts. I'm not exactly sure about it, but uh, nonetheless, it, it's being fixed on the server side. I mean, to boil it down, it was just the fact that your your Google credentials were being transmitted in plain text. So if anybody was 
you know, capturing the traffic on the network, on a Wi-Fi network, which, of course, your device will pretty much automatically connect to, uh, and your calendar gets updated, which, of course, it will because everything gets updated when, you know, your synchronization's running. If somebody was just monitoring those packets and knew what they were looking for, they'd see your password to your Gmail account, and that's that's boils it down to the, the basics. Hmm. Well, it's, uh, nonetheless, it's, it's been fixed. So if you've got an Android device, no worries. Uh, you're, uh, you're good to go. Microsoft on Monday provided details of previously unannounced business features that will be part of Mango's build, uh, or the Mango build of Windows Phone 7. New features include the ability to save and share Office documents through Office 365 and Windows Live SkyDrive, pin email folders to the home screen for faster access, view emails in a threaded conversation style, search the email server for emails no longer stored on the device, and access to Link Mobile, Microsoft's unified communications platform. Microsoft said additional details about the update will be released in the next few weeks. And PayPal on Wednesday updated its Android application to version 2.8. That brings new features to the application. So users can now add money from their checks by snapping a photo of the check and the amount gets added directly to their PayPal account. And also storing of their application on Android's removable SD card is now available. The app is a free download in the Android market. And Google Friday updated its maps.google.com website for mobile web browsers. New features include the ability to view your current location, suggest search and auto-completion, clickable icons, driving directions, walking, biking, and transit directions, and different map layers to toggle satellite and traffic. The update is available in iOS and Android browsers by heading to maps.google.com. I did try this and was not overly impressed. I will be sticking with the Maps application on my device. AT&T is still yet to make the BlackBerry Bridge application officially available for its devices, but RIM is now offering another solution for Playbook users. Along with the already available over-the-air download of the Bridge, installation of the app is now available through Desktop Manager. We'll put links in the show notes for installation via both methods. And Twitter on Thursday released uh, Twitter 2.0 for BlackBerry. Revisions to the application include simplification of navigation and the addition of universal search for BlackBerry 6.0 devices. The software is free to download from BlackBerry App World. And Joey, I know you did get this installed and said it is much, much better than the previous version. Yes, it is. You know, scrolling up and down through the list of tweets isn't like uh, torture because it, it's, it's, it's a lot smooth it's still not perfect but it's a lot smoother scrolling up and down the list of tweets um it it, it the, the interface is smaller cleaner um it, it's just better i mean if you have a blackberry go get the update mm. Very good. A couple questions this week. First one comes from Scott. He says, I have a question. I'm currently with AT&T and using a Bold 9000. I use Bez Express for my work email, and currently AT&T does not charge anything over the BIS price, even though I'm using Bez X. It was my understanding that this was the way that RIM originally designed Bez X. This would allow for uh, it to compete with ActiveSync. When Bez X first came to out on Verizon, they were charging the full Bez price, even though I use Bez X. Recently, RIM developed the enterprise application app which would allow customers to use bezx for no additional cost i would like to switch to verizon but i i have to get my work email do you know if the app works on verizon blackberries and is verizon going to find out about this and start billing me this is a deal breaker thanks for the informative show scott now joey i know you've got some experience with both of these so uh, what can you tell us yeah i haven't been able to confirm this for a fact on a verizon without BES support because that's actually the only phone I have it it does have the the enterprise service however the only thing that BES gives anybody and on any carrier is just that wireless activation menu option which of course you found the the application that gives you that activation uh 
capabilities now. I used to be able to uh, skirt the system a little bit if I do a reset on the phone uh, right when I first turned the phone on and activated it. That wireless option, uh, wireless activation option is actually still in the menu uh, before the service books get pushed down from from Sprint or the other carrier um, that, that would take that away because uh, it's there by default. So I'd hurry up and get my credentials entered into that wireless activation before the uh, before it went away. However, any even if you have a regular enterprise server, you can activate the phone uh, by connecting it with USB port and connecting to your server. There's a the, the, the address and port. I can't now remember right offhand here what that port number is that you can do an activation for the enterprise server with your BezX on your phone with a USB cable if you don't have the over-the-air uh, capability, which of course now you don't need to worry about that because of the new applica- the enterprise activation app that they have now. So uh, you will definitely be just fine with the Verizon. You won't have to worry about the billing. There's nothing different on the back end. The phone activates; it'll it'll be perfect. So you don't have to worry about uh, being charged from Verizon at all. It's just literally that one little menu option on your phone that they're turning off uh, for over the air activation. You could have done. You could still do it with the USB, but now you, it's not a concern at all. Hmm. Very good. Then we have a question from Dave. He says, Mickey and Joey, with the reported upcoming demise of Verizon's $30 unlimited smartphone data plan this summer, I'm feeling a little anxious about my plan and waiting to switch back to Verizon for the iPhone 5. I don't want to miss out on the $30 plan, so I'm thinking of switching to Verizon a little early and just use whatever Verizon phone I can get my hands on in the meantime. I currently use an iPhone, and I'm afraid anything uh, I'm afraid anything but an iOS or Android device would be too painful to endure for the few months before the new iPhone, which brings me finally to my question. Do you know a reasonably priced phone rental service where I could rent an iOS or Android device for a few months that would work on Verizon's network? Thanks much and love the show, guys. Dave. Well, Dave, I did some research for you on this because I've never used a phone rental service and uh, now I know why. They are ridiculously expensive. Uh, One that I found that seems to be kind of on the top of the list of rental companies is rentsell.com. Um, and it's uh, it's not cheap. I, I would definitely not recommend doing it. Uh, what I would take a look at is purchasing a used device from either a friend or maybe on eBay. Um, the cost of the phone is going to be a little bit higher than getting it in contract, but at least that you you wouldn't have to deal uh, with the the high per minute cost that they have, and then of course that monthly charge to rent the device. So um, I would I would say you know maybe not an iPhone just because it's not going to necessarily be all that cheap right now. But there's a number of Android devices that have been out there, especially some of the older Droids. Uh, that you could pick up for probably a couple hundred dollars. And, uh, you know, then in a couple of months when, well, or maybe six months when the iPhone 5 comes out, sell it and still recoup, you know, maybe 50 or 75 bucks of that. At least, yeah. And uh, that's what I would kind of recommend doing. You know, yeah, getting an older, the, the older device, the, the older you, the one you get, the 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 more the depreciation's already hit it, which means when you go to sell it, you'll be able to sell it for probably almost what you bought it for uh, in a few months' time here. So yeah, this is a really tough time right now because yeah, I think we I think we will see a new Verizon version here later this year. So we're at this really strange time where yeah, it'd be just great to go get the iPhone right now on Verizon, be done with it, not worry about it. But then if there's something new uh, on it, uh, you know, then you just you just bought it. I mean, if it was a few months ago when like it first came out, oh that's okay because like we said earlier in the show, it's probably not going to be a drastic upgrade. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything, you know, drastically different on the new iPhone other than a faster processor and, you know, just mostly software is what my gut feel is. However, 
why when it's just a couple months away why would you want to not have the latest so uh yeah picking up an older droid to take uh take care of it or even see what an iphone goes for out of contract um or, or mm. the the iphone out of contract right now on verizon i'm sure it's very expensive but uh you know you have to kind of deal with the fact that once you go to sell it once the new phone hits then the the, the price is going to drop drastically at that point so it's kind of what it, it depends what it's worth to you personally I think the bigger issue that uh, Dave's going to run into here is is how how do you start up a Verizon account and keep that subsidy available to you? Um, when you sign up for an account, you are getting usually getting a device with it. I don't. I've never I've never started up an account and not had you know got some sort of device. I mean, I've I, I've done the whole thing where. I just take whatever phone they have because I brought my own phone. I did that when I first signed up for AT and T, or actually re-signed up for AT and T, I guess. But um, I, I just I'm I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned that they're not going to uh, you're not going to feel you're not going to be able to, to to hang on to that subsidy until that point. Oh, you're completely right, Mickey. I can you you're absolutely right. That's a good catch on there because I I run into the same issue with Sprint. Uh, I want to activate new lines, but I want to kind of play switcheroo with the phone with the hardware. And I don't have that capability because you have to, when you sign up for a plan, you're signing up for a two-year contract. Um, my recommendation would be go for the top of the top Android phone that they have right now and then sell it outright when the um, uh, when the time comes for the new Verizon iPhone. Because at that point, your phone will still be worth absolutely the most because it'll be the, the, the best hardware that's available on Verizon. You'll be able to get the most out of it selling it on eBay or Craigslist. Um, that you could possibly get because then your subsidy is worth more at that point. And then you'll have to unfortunately, you know, pay cash for the, the new iPhone, um, which whatever the out of contract price is, what are they running right now? Mickey 600 or 500, five or 600. So, yep. so, but, but if you get the absolute top of the line Android phone, you'll be able to get 400, you yep. know, thereabouts for it, or even a little bit more. Uh, so I, that would be the best thing to do. I, you're completely right. That's a that's a great recommendation. Um, I, I like that one, and I've done that too with you know iOS devices, or I've I've bought and sold them, uh, and and been able to recoup a little bit of cash, um, you know, for for when I'm, I'm doing my device switcheroo. But yeah, that's you gotta you gotta kind of play that game because that's that's just the the U.S. model. Yep, and uh, and I've kind of done the same thing as well uh, with devices. I, I that's the, the the best way to go is go for the top of the line because you are getting the most for your subsidy when you do that. I have another idea too, um, and this is this is going to require a lot of brain damage. But hear me out: <laughs> buy the top of the line Android device and leave it in the box unopened, and then bring your own device to Android. So then you've got an unopened box. Uh, you know that may even get you another fifty bucks or so on the price as well. Um, you know, where it's a new unopened device, you may be able to get a little bit more, uh, even if it is a couple of months from now. People love new devices because the used thing is always like, well. Eh, you know, if you can send pictures all you want, but when it's new and unopened, people know it's perfect, right? So that's a again, that's a lot of brain damage, but you know, depends on how badly you uh, you want to do this whole thing, and uh, you know, good luck with that. Um, I'm I'm totally in the same boat with you. I'm always switching flying through devices so i i get it well if you have any questions for us you can send us a question by email at questions at the cell phone junkie.com or you can give us a call 206-203-3734 or send us a text message 775-773-tcpj that's 8275 you can follow all of the news that we talk about on each show over at the cell phone junkie.com every single story posted daily you can also follow that news over at facebook at facebook.com slash the cell phone junkie or on twitter at twitter.com
twitter.com slash cell phone junkie. I am TCPJ underscore Mickey on Twitter and Joey is TCPJ underscore Joey. So Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.